Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 148, and we're recording on Monday, March 6th. I'm Kendra Winchester, here along with special guest Liberty Hardy, and we're coming to you from Book Riot. Welcome, Liberty. Hi! Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here. I always love guesting on the mystery show because that was my first favorite genre as a child, so mysteries are close to my heart. First love. Yes. First love. Yeah. It was also it was also my favorite sticker to put on the books. Like my mom worked at the library and you'd get those like little genre stickers. Right, yeah. And the the mystery one had like the outline of this like person in a trench coat with a hat pulled down and like holding a spyglass. <laughs> my library had the same one, which is really cute. <laughs> it was my favorite one. Yeah, I'm, I love having you here. Always love to chat with you about books. You always have great recommendations, and thank you. And of course, if folks don't already know, you are the co-host of the All the Books podcast. So yes. you wear you wear many hats. Yes, where we talk about new releases. We just passed our 400th episode a few weeks ago. Congratulations! Which seems impossible, but. <laughs> There you have it. <laughs> yeah, it was the very first thing I learned about Book Riot was I found Book Riot through the, that very first episode of that podcast. So, Oh, how exciting. Throwback. We love a throwback. Well, we have we have so many things to chat about today. Yes. Uh, but first, I want to ask you, what are you currently reading? Well, I am in the middle of my 32nd reread of The Secret History by Donna Tart. Uh, I read it every February, although I'm a little late this year. And it, w- it was the 30th anniversary last year. I had read it an extra time the first year it came out, um, which is like a mystery. It's a mystery where they give you the, re- the reveal at the beginning <laughs> it really and you is. go backwards. And, you know, it's, it's amazing. It's an amazing piece of literature. And I'm also, I started reading this for the show because I was very excited about it. I'm in the middle of The Swifts, A Dictionary of Scoundrels by Beth Lincoln and illustrated by Claire Powell. It's a middle grade mystery. Mm. It's a little bit Western game, a little bit Green Glass House with sort of like the bit of Adam's family thrown in. It's about the Swift family. It's a very large family living in this giant mansion. Um, when we meet them, they are practicing for their great aunt uh, Schadenfreude's funeral. She makes them practice once a month to make sure they're going to get it right when it actually happens. And once a year, all of their extended family members come to the house to talk about the past and maybe look for treasure because many years ago, their uncle Vile, who was as bad as his name implied, sort of screwed over some of the other family members uh, and hid a bunch of their treasure. And so one of them murdered him for it. Uh, And no one knows where it is. So there's a young girl named Shenanigans. Um, the names for the Swift families are all chosen from the dictionary. Like, on the day that they're born, the family dictionary is brought to the parent who puts their finger down, like, without looking in the dictionary, uh, and you get named whatever the they happen to land on. <laughs> so it's amazing. Yeah. Um, so she's shenanigan, and she thinks she knows where the treasure is. She thinks she's figured it out. She's going to steal it and run away. Um, but then someone murders Great Aunt Schadenfreude, so she's going to have to figure that out first. That sounds delightful, doesn't it? Yeah, it's great fun so far. I'm only like 20% of the way in, maybe. <laughs> I, You know, I'm trying to get my nephew into mysteries. So I think mm-hmm. I've just been handing him the wrong ones. But he's also very sensitive. He gets scared very easily. So um. I'm always like, okay, I, I, I was not scared. But 
trying to think. <laughs> and he's, I'm like, he's 13. You think he would be okay, but no, he's just a he's just a, a little snuggle bear, not necessarily uh, into murder yet. Yeah. Well, then you know, there's like the Hardy Boys and the Nancy Drew, like the early series. You know, those don't have any any death in them. I remember when I was in middle school. That's when the new Nancy Drew series came out, like with the updated covers and like she was like a, a te- like fancy teenager and like designer clothes, and they used to have like actual murders in them. And I was like, oh, what is this? You know, that's also where I first heard about the Bens and decided I did not ever want to go scuba diving ever, ever, ever. <laughs> Ag- agreed, agreed. Especially since they keep. Scuba diving in those caves, it freaks me out every yeah. time. Claustrophobia and a fear of the water all in one. Just and thank you. <laughs> but yeah, so I just finished I Have Some Questions for You by Rebecca Mackay. So good. So good. So good. I read it. I listened to the audiobook like all in one day. It's performed by Julia Whalen, who is a superstar. And it is just a fantastic book about... Uh, This woman who goes back to her high school, which was a private school, and she's going to teach this film history course and a podcasting course over two weeks. And while she's there, um, a lot of these details about a young girl, I guess at the time, named Thalia, who died and like, was the right guy put in prison? Was he not? It's so good. And it's a lot of very interesting and much needed commentary about true crime, which listeners might remember is something we've been talking a lot this year on the podcast. So would recommend just so good i liked it better than her previous novel yeah i think it's my favorite of hers too so good all right well that's what we're currently reading before we jump into the next part of our podcast let's have a break for our sponsor today's episode is brought to you by sourcebooks landmark So King Solomon says something very interesting to his son before he dies, and that is, quote, don't let the white man take the house, end quote. These, as I just mentioned, are King Solomon's last words to his son as he dies. Now, all four Solomon siblings must return to North Carolina to save the kingdom, their ancestral home, and 200 acres of land from a development company. Told in alternating viewpoints, Long After We Are Gone by Tara Shelton Harris is a searing portrait of the power of family and letting go of things that no longer serve you, exploring the burden of familial expectations, the detriment of miscommunication, and the lessons and legacies we pass on to our children. It's an explosive and emotional story of four siblings, each fighting their own personal battle, because who isn't, who return home in the wake of their father's death. Make sure to check out Long After We Are Gone by Tara Shelton Harris. And thanks again to Sourcebooks Landmark for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Tor Books. So if you are a fan of epic fantasy, if you're a fan of Scott Lynch and or Joe Abercrombie, but you want something a little different, you want a hero who's like a bit of a mess, then The Silver Blood Promise by James Logan is for you in its Academy dropout slash disgraced noble heir Lacan Gardova's life is in shambles. All he's got going for him is one, he is a card sharp of considerable skill and two, a lot of maybe potentially a little too much wine. So they're, you know, those are the positives. 
So when the bizarre murder of his father robs him of even the off chance of redemption, Lacan decides to make amends another way. He's going to unravel the mystery behind the killing, even if it takes him to the underbelly of Sophrona, a city of danger, secrets, and merchant princes. Finding the truth is one thing. Finding the truth and staying alive is like a whole other thing. So make sure to check out The Silver Blood Promise by James Logan on sale May 7th. And thanks again to Tor Books for sponsoring this episode. All right. So before we jump into today's theme, uh, we have a little segment here that uh, we like to ask folks for suggestions. So we love suggestions for upcoming episodes because they really help us plan out the different episodes, gives us new ideas, and it's a great way to know what our listeners want more of. And it also helps us expand our reading horizons. So if there's something we haven't covered or haven't covered in a while, definitely reach out with any of those recommendations. Uh, You can shoot us an email, which will be linked in the show notes, or you can find us on social media. We will have, again, all that contact in the show notes. And we always like to say this at the top of the show to give you a moment to think about what you would like to um, email us about. So please feel free. We also, you can just say hi. That's fun too. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, And of course, as always, a reminder that you can rate or review us in your podcatcher of choice. And that is lovely. We would greatly appreciate it. We always love to hear what you like about the show, what you'd like to hear more of, etc. So yeah, there's our little note there. Um, and Liberty, we have some other news that we want to talk about today. Something new that's happening over at Book Riot. Would you like to share a little bit more of that? Yes, there is a new newsletter. It is called The Deep Dive. If you are looking for fascinating stories, informed takes, useful advice, you know, experts in the world of books and reading will write things in Book Riot's newest newsletter, The Deep Dive. You will get exclusive content delivered to your inbox. You can check it out by going to bookriot.substack.com. You can check out your membership level. Uh, if you, you know, want to know more about books or, you know, lesser known history about books or stories about publishing. Uh, For $5 a month, you get the deep dive edition of this newsletter. It's sent to your inbox twice a month. And if you're on the fence, you're not really sure if you want to try it out yet, uh, you can go to the website and check out the free subscription, which will get you the splash pad, which rounds up some of the experts recommended reading and bookish lifestyle goods monthly. So that's bookriot.substack.com to check that out. I am a huge Substack fan. I just love newsletters. And they added a new accessible feature where the app will read you the newsletter. (gasps) Amazing. I love it. I love it. So I can now actually have a quality screen reader for free. Read me my newsletters. It's fantastic. So would recommend on the accessibility front in that way. But, you know, today today we have an excellent theme for middle grade March. Liberty, you suggested this theme. Did you know it was middle grade March? I did not. I just knew that my brain is very tired and I've been reading a lot of middle grade mysteries to sort of like make me feel better Um, because those were my first love when I was a kid, like the Westing game, hands Mm -hmm. down, like the most amazing kids book. And it's just, you know, as you might have noticed, it's been a long few years. Uh, And I just got done a job that I've been working for several years where I was reading almost exclusively true crime and thrillers for this company, um, which was like murder, 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 real murder, 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 real murder, real murder, 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 um, which was fun, but also like exhausting and terrifying sometimes. Uh, And so I got done that at the end of last year and I was like, I just... I need a break. So I'm just going to move over to like, 
younger murder mystery things. Um, and it turns out there are a million amazing middle grade mystery books being published today. And I love, love, love middle grade. It is something I just find, like you said, like it's a moment to sit and like you can still have those familiar tropes or ideas or genres that you love, but you can have them at a less intense level. And yeah, I, I spent one day last year or a whole weekend, I think I listened to like six middle grade novels Amazing. on audio, which for me is like, oh, wow, that's a lot. But I guess when you listen at double speed, it's only like two <laughs> and a half hours per book. But it was still, it's it's a wonderful way to find new books. And I have been sharing these books with my nephew, and if there's always some, you know, I have family members who homeschool, and they're like, Kendra, we want this book on this history thing, and I'll be able to find it for them. So I love being that person in the family. <laughs> it's fun! Yeah, there are uh, just so many amazing middle grade books, not just mysteries, but in general. My favorite series of the last several years is the Nevermore series, which yes. every year they're like, it's going to come out this year, and then it gets postponed another year. Yes. So it was supposed to come out last fall, and hopefully this fall, the, th- the fourth book? Is it the fourth book? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we've been waiting. So that's that's probably my favorite middle grade. Um, I have another favorite one, which I think you're going to talk about today. So <laughs> I'm very excited about that one, too. All right. Well, do you want to start us off then with our first pick of the day? Yes. So I selfishly chose this theme because I wanted to read these books. <laughs> that's that's really <laughs> that's really what it was. I was like, oh, I have these and I need to read them. Um, my first pick is Malamander, The Legends of Erie on Sea, book one by Thomas Taylor and illustrated by Tom Booth. I loved this one. Like the Swifts, it's a little bit un fortunate events. It's a little bit Western game. It's also not based in reality at all. Like this one, not a, <laughs> like not at all. Because the main character is a 12-year-old who washed up on the shore in a basket of lemons when he was a baby. They named him Herbert Lemon and they gave him the job at the Grand Nautilus Hotel in Cheery by the Sea as the a person in charge of the lost and found for the hotel. Now, it's Cheery by the Sea until it becomes eerie by the sea in the off-season when the fog covers up the CH and you can't see things on the beach and supposedly there are things slinking around out there in the fog. Um, So Herbert Lemon has lived here his whole life. Uh, He's in charge of the lost and found. He catalogs things that the guests leave, tries to find their owners. uh, and, And the bonus perk is that if something has been at the hotel for over 100 years, he gets to keep it. Because they're probably not coming back for it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, 100 years. So there's also the story of the Malamander, which is a local legend about a walking scaly fish man with lots of teeth who slinks around in the fog. So Herbert spends his time in his little tiny lost and found cubby, waiting for people to bring him things, and getting bullied by the hotel manager, who's a big meanie, and then sleeping in the basement at night. And then one day... A girl his age climbs in through the basement window. She's 12. Her name is Violet. She is also an orphan. And she tells Herbert that when she was a baby, her parents disappeared on the beach in Erie by the Sea. And people found her in their empty hotel room at the hotel, the Grand Nautilus Hotel. Um, And nobody knows what happened to her parents. There were two sets of shoes left on the beach. No one ever saw them again. So she has run away from home. 
And she has come back to find out what happened to her parents. And she thinks that Herbert is the person to help her because his job is literally finding lost things. So they're going to look for clues. And when they start doing that, there's an attack on a local beachcomber by some creature that is unseen. There's a sinister author lurking around in the bookstore. There's a scary pirate man with a sharp hook for a hand who is searching for Violet for reasons they don't understand. And there's also this unusual red egg-shaped gemstone that keeps getting passed around. Nobody knows what that's for. So the, the weird things that start happening when they begin inve- their investigation tells Herbert and Violet that they are going in the right direction. But will they survive to find out what happened? Like I said, it's really fun. Not based in reality at all. Right? Like, children do not have jobs working as the lost and found manager <laughs> starting when they are three years old. There is a half monkey, half mermaid that dispenses book recommendations at the bookstore, which is pretty rad. Um, (laughs) They also search the room where Violet's parents stayed 12 years before and find clues to their disappearance. Like, that is some terrible housekeeping. Like, (laughs) that is just... Nobody cleaned that room, apparently, for 12 years. Because if you're still finding clues, like, that's bad. It's interesting that you brought up your nephew because... I'm reading this book, and and the same is true for my next pick. There are some very intense situations that I... And I was wondering, like, am I more sensitive to these as an adult? Like, I don't have children, but I'm reading them and going, this is so scary. This would be so scary for a kid, right? Where actually, like, I think as a kid, I'd be like, this is rad. But as an adult, I'm like, oh, this is like... Like, the the villain punches Violet in the face. Um, She gets shot with a crossbow. And I'm like, this is so scary. But kids are probably like, eh, whatever. But they're just so fun. There are two other books in the series now that include other mysteries, including one that is about, we might find out, Herbert's origins, like where he washed up in the basket of lemons. And there is a fourth coming in April. So this is Malamander, The Legends of Eerie on Sea, book one, by Thomas Taylor and illustrated by Tom Booth. Well, I'm definitely going to have to go find that one now. Yeah. It sounds so cute. And yeah, I've been thinking about what kids are okay with. And and the more I read and the more I talk to kids, it's like so subjective. Mm -hmm. So I also like wonder for like, I mean, this again, this is why librarians are so important is because they can understand those nuances. But we will return to that when I get to the second book that I've chosen for today, because that actually had some stuff that I think is interesting on that end. But we'll, I don't want to give any spoilers for that pick. (laughs) Uh, the first pick I want to talk about is actually called When You Reach Me by Rebecca Stead. <gasps> my favorite. That's my favorite. <laughs> I was so excited to see you picked it. Well, I I love this book um, for a lot of reasons. But for me, it was really important because it was one of the first books that drew me back to middle grade as an adult. Because mm-hmm. I hadn't, I didn't read middle grade for ages. And so When You Reach Me is about... This girl named Miranda, she's in sixth grade, and she lives in uh, New York City, and her best friend, Sal, and she just, they have a beautiful friendship. But very early on, something happens to him. He gets punched by another kid, and then he kind of disappears, and Miranda doesn't know where he went. And for me, I had a best friend in fifth grade, fourth or fifth grade, and she moved away. And so for me as an adult, I was kind of surprised that I deeply related to Miranda's experience of then trying to go and make new friends at her school. But while all of this friendship stuff is going on, she keeps getting these weird notes left for her. And they know things about her that 
no one else should really know. So she's trying to figure out this entire time who is sending her these notes, what is going on. And the book is like a little puzzle. Like I'm, I'm trying to be very careful not to mention too many things because it is a puzzle, but it is it's so delightful as she tries to figure out who's sending her all the notes. So Liberty, you said that this was one of your favorites. Uh, it's Do you remember like when you first picked it up and did you see the puzzle like coming around and like what was going to happen? I did. I saw that there was a puzzle. I did not know what was going to happen. I think that you did an excellent job talking about it because I feel like everything that I read about this, people give away the things that make it so special. Yes. Like there's this thing to it that you just can't talk about and everybody talks about it. So look, this is a book that I really recommend that you don't read anything about before you read it. um, Yes. Because it'll ruin it for you. Especially since it's only 200 pages, like Mm -hmm. it's even short for a middle grade novel. And the reveal, like I didn't read anything going into it. I just saw that the library had it on audio, so I randomly picked it up. And when I was listening to it, I saw none of it coming. And it was so delightful because I had to be like, wait, what happened? And like rewinding the audiobook, And I'm like, what? Wait, what happened? And I just absolutely love Rebecca said. And from here on, like I just started reading all of her books. And I'm a little behind now, but she's definitely an author that is like, oh, yes, of course, I'm going to I'm going to read Rebecca Stead. Yeah, she is so, so delightful. So she has a new book coming in August. And I oh, just got does. it. I just got it. It's her and Wendy Mass. It's called The Lost Library. It has a big orange cat on the cover. And the summary says it is a classic middle grade novel about a little free library guarded by a cat and a boy who takes on the mystery it keeps. Well, is that not fantastic? Yeah. It says it's told by a ghost librarian. I mean, it just keeps getting better. Right? A ghost librarian <laughs> and a cat that guards a little free library. Like, Yeah, I'm very excited. That is so, so cute. Uh, so everyone needs to go check out, uh, needs to go check out Rebecca Stead's book, When You Reach Me, and of course, her other books. They're just, they're just fabulous. So good. Well, so Liberty, what's your second pick? So again, selfishly wanted to read this so chose the (laughs) subject my next pick is called the dare friends family and other eerie mysteries by cynthia liu i just realized now that this also has the word eerie in the title i didn't even (laughs) notice last time okay so this one is a mystery about being the new kid in town i like these new kid in town stories um like where you show up and the other kids tell you, like, about the scary local legends and the mysteries that have happened in your town or, like, maybe what, you know, happened at your school. There's a lot of YA like that. Like, uh, the Tiffany D. Jackson White Smoke is, is an excellent example of, like, moving to a new town and something really scary is going to happen and it's a mystery. Um, but this one is about a 12-year-old Chinese-American girl named Paris Pan. Her father flips houses for a living. So basically what he does is he finds a lot, he builds a house, he moves his family into it, he goes to a new town, he finds a lot, he builds a house. When that one's finished, he moves his family into it and he sells the last one that they were in. So she has spent the last four years of her life spending maybe six, seven months in a town and then being moved to another one. So like she can't make any friends, she's getting real sick of it, she never sees her dad. So he has moved them into a new home She lives there with her mom and her brother, Athens, and her sister, Verona. It's a whole theme, Paris, Verona, Athens. (laughs) And they're in this new town. It's very, very, very small. She's only one of four girls in the seventh grade. And for some reason, their town is oddly obsessed with basketball. Like, everyone who moves to school or goes to their school has to play basketball. 
And so on her first day, she meets these two girls in her class. There's four girls in her class, but these two girls give her the details on who she should and shouldn't talk to and, like, where she should and shouldn't hang out and the places on the playground to stand and also, like, don't talk to the fourth girl in their class. Um, She's really weird and they call her the freak and they tell her, like, to avoid her at all costs. Um, And they also, there are these two boys in her class um, and her friends are also saying, like, avoid those two boys, like, they're trouble and, you know, don't pay any attention to them. And, you know, these two girls, like, Mayo is the ringleader and... She's like, we're going to be great friends. And also I'm having a birthday party on Friday and I want you to come to it. And so Paris is like, okay, you know, she doesn't have any friends. She wants to fit in. So she agrees to go to this party. And then one of the boys that she has been told to avoid secretly reaches out to her and says, hey, uh, those girls are mean. And also don't go to that party because they're going to want you to do the dare. So she's like, well, what's the dare? And the boy tells her that in the 1980s, a young woman their age named Beth was probably murdered. She might have drowned, but they're pretty sure that she was murdered in their town. And since then, young women on their 13th birthdays dare each other to spend a night in the woods where she was found. But, like, okay, scary unsolved crime, possibly. Um, but to make matters worse, it turns out that... Paris's father bought the plot of land where Beth's body was found in the 80s and built a house on it. That's like where Paris lives now. She's like, oh, great. I live on murder land. And nothing has happened to anybody since then. Like, there have been some, like, weird things at these parties, mostly because people get so wound up about the possibility of being in the woods with an unsolved murder, like maybe a murderer running around. Like, they, they freak out. But nothing has actually happened. But still... You know, it's kind of scary. Paris doesn't want them to think that she's uncool, though. So she's like, I'm still going to go to this party, even though you told me not to. Uh, and she also, like, hangs out with them for the rest of the weekend, doesn't say anything uh, when these girls, you know, bully other kids in their school. But when they find out that she actually lives on the murder land, they decide to postpone the dare because they want to do it at her house. And she's, like, hearing it from them now. Like, every version of this story of what happened to Beth is creepier. You know, like, she was chopped into pieces and scattered all over. And, you know, maybe this happened. Maybe that happened, you know. And Paris is getting scared. Like, she's getting more and more scared. Especially because creepy things are happening on her property. There's a really frightening abandoned shed on the edge of their land. The door keeps opening and closing on its own, her dog really wants to go in there and dig around, and she doesn't know what the dog is looking for, and she doesn't want to go in there and get the dog out, and it's it's really freaking her out. And also, does she want to be friends with the mean girls? Like, she wants to fit in, you know, she just wants to fly under the radar and have everyone leave her alone and maybe make some new friends, but these girls are mean. So, can she solve the mystery of what happened to Beth? Is there a murderer still on the loose? It's really fun. And this one, unlike the other one, is realistic, you know, and it's a good look at like bullying and peer pressure and what it means like to just go along with what the other kids are doing because you don't want it to happen to you. Paris is very funny. She's very sarcastic. It's also a family drama. You know, her parents don't get along very well because her mother is angry that her father is always gone. You know, she misses her dad. She's tired of being moved from place to place. 
And the thing about this book that I, I was saying, you know, is, is scary is like, they have these conversations, like these kids have conversations about serial killers and like, you know, a cooling off period and how they can go this many years without murdering someone. And, and I was thinking like, oh, this must be so scary for kids. But then I realized like when I was like eight, I was reading Stephen King and Robin Cook. And I know that's not a great endorsement <laughs> because look at me now, but still also like I was fine, you know, so I think I think as an adult, I'm more sensitive to what I think might frighten children than I was as a kid. And, and you know, I just have to remember, like, kids kids know, like, what they can handle. So this one is, you know, I think this, I thought this was more frightening of the two because it's, it's realistic. But it was really fun. It's called The Dare, Friends, Family, and Other Eerie Mysteries by Cynthia Liu. And before we jump into my last pick, it's time for another sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Greenleaf Book Group. No summer vacation should be without a great read. And I don't know about you, but I am partial to mysteries and thrillers for my hot month reads. It's hot girl reading summer always over here. And from the award-winning librettist of Legally Blonde, the musical and the screenwriter of Freaky Friday, Heather Hawk, comes the page-turning psychological thriller, The Trouble with Drowning. So when author Eden Hart floats into Tucson's Antigone books and all her dazzling perfection to give a reading, Kat, a struggling writer, can't help but compare herself. Thankfully, Kat's life starts to take on its own Eden-like glow when her literary future takes shape and she falls madly in love with Jacob. As demons from her past begin to surface, Kat's mental health craters and this halcyon dream slips through her fingers. For the fastest-paced slow burn you won't be able to put down, be sure to check out The Trouble with Drowning by Heather Hawk on Amazon or your retailer of choice. And thanks again to Greenleaf Book Group for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang. So this is an interesting love story. It's great for fans of Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow and High Fidelity. It's set in the mid-90s at NYU. And it follows young Wang, who has gotten the advice of love through Chinese numerology from his uncle. So he believes that he will have seven great loves in his life. And then he meets Irena in 95. And she's like the best. She's brilliant, charismatic, quick-witted, funny. They fall in love. But the thing is, she's number six. So if he is to have seven great loves, does that mean his time with Arena is going to come to an end? So this is a love letter to Western pop culture, Eastern traditions, and being a first-generation New Yorker. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang for sponsoring this episode. All right, so now it is time for my second pick, which I can talk about more because um, it's not as spoilery, I guess. So my second pick is called Spirit Hunters by Ellen O. I didn't get a chance to read this when it came out back in 2017, I believe, but I listened to all three books in the series yesterday. So <laughs> I am wow. very well prepared. I, I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop <laughs> Just so good. I'm so sad that the third one is supposed to be the last one. Uh, I'm going to cross my fingers that maybe, maybe one day she'll write more. 
Um, but this is a delightful book about a biracial Korean-American girl named Harper. She and her family, her older sister and her younger brother and her parents have all moved to Washington, D.C. from New York City. And Harper hates it right out of the gate. It's hot. It's miserable. It's right in the middle of the summer before school. And she really, really hates the house and just everything going on. But also in the background is the fact that they moved sort of kind of because, one, because of her parents' new job, but also because Harper had a this weird experience at her previous school where she had an accident and ended up with two broken arms. And then she was in a mental care facility, but she doesn't know why. She's lost a lot of her memories around the incident. So she has a lot going on with her with her family and with her health and her parents, like, They've been told by the doctor not to push the memories, but you as the reader are like, oh my goodness, what is going on like right out of the gate? And she has like these little diary entries, these like, uh, it's called My Stupid DC Journal or something. (laughs) And she like ferociously like writes in it, which is delightful. Uh, But early on, her brother's room is a little weird. Her brother has a new imaginary friend. There's this old vintage like fire truck that's metal in there. It's super creepy. And Pretty early on, Harper's getting the creeps, and she's not entirely sure uh, what's going on with her brother's new imaginary best friend that's in his room. And you can see where this is going, since it's called Spirit Hunter, but it's a really delightful ghost story. And I was riveted very quickly, which explains why I listened to all of them. Um, but it does, like like we've been talking about, like there is an incident where she ends up cutting her arm on this vintage fire truck for various ghosty spirit reasons. And she has to have like 25 stitches. And it talks about all the blood that was soaked on the thing. And I'm like clutching my little like pearls. And I'm like, wait, like the kids are probably fine. Like they watch Star Wars. And the guy gets his hand cut off. Like they're going to be fine. <laughs> so I, um, I thought it was really interesting because like this is a like, kid version of a horror book right like it has all these different things in it and it's spooky and delightful and there's so much friendship for harper's new best friend and so delightful well it's not a follow-up to that but i do remember that ellen o uh edited and contributed to a book that's out this week a middle grade collection of stories called you are here connecting flights written by 12 award-winning and best-selling East and South A- East Asian-American authors. All, they all take place in with different characters in a security checkpoint at an airport. That is really delightful. Yes. I saw that she's edited that, and she edited another like fanta- fantastical short story collection with Asian and South Asian authors, I think. Oh, yeah. She's, uh, she, she's very prolific. Yes. Um, but I just thought it was funny because it's out this week. You know, timing. Yeah. You know, it's here for us. Uh, So like I said, this is a part of a trilogy. The second book is set around Halloween where uh, Harper and her family and her best friend all go to this Caribbean island and discover that people aren't the only thing that inhabit the island. And then the third one is about this mysterious happenings around a makeup store where uh, Harper's older sister Callie works at. I don't want to give too many spoilers, um, but they're all incredibly delightful. And if you have a kiddo in your life, or maybe you just want to read a fun, like, horror-esque book without a ton of, like, 
I guess, death, for lack of a better term, that happens on the page, then this is a great pick. And I cannot gush enough about this series. I'm going to go find hard copies soon and add them to my middle grade collection. So, so delightful. Um, There's a, there is also like an annoying dog named Pumpkin in the first book who I found delightful. It reminded me of a a different version of a cranky Dylan. (laughs) You know, Dylan in his older ages cranky anyway i'm gonna quit gushing that is spirit hunters by ellen O, and would definitely recommend everyone go check that out hooray i know those are our picks for today and if you want more picks or have recommendations again make sure to email us um, via the info in the show notes um but before we let you all go today it is time for new releases and liberty I selfishly have been looking forward to this part of the podcast because you are the queen of new book releases. So please take the floor and share what you would like uh, to tell us about today. (laughs) Well, I went theming because it is the the mystery podcast. So I picked a couple that are out this week that I thought were worth noting. Uh, The first is The Golden Spoon by Jess Maxwell. This is probably the biggest mystery release of March. It is a debut novel. Uh, the rights to it sold before I think it was even finished. It's going to be a limited series on Hulu. It is a, a mystery that takes place on a cooking show competition. In set in Vermont, it's like the 10th season of some big baking competition show. And the blurb doesn't say who gets murdered, so we don't know. But um, someone is going to get murdered. Ooh. Yeah. It's like, it's like the Great British Bake Off, but with murder. Yeah, they're comparing it to the Great British Bake Off. Um, only murders in the building, knives out because everything in the world is compared to knives out now. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's knives out with raccoons. It's knives out with stickers. It's knives out with knives. You know, it's just like, it's, everything is knives out right now. It's like replaced Gone Girl as the new, the new thing to compare stuff to do. Stuff, <laughs> stuff too, I should say. Um, but that's okay. I like knives out. I like the follow up. It's good stuff. And the other one that I have is one that I'm actually about to start because I've heard great things. Um, It's a true crime book. It's called Tremors in the Blood, Murder, Obsession, and the Birth of the Lie Detector by Amit Katwala. Uh, This is a a look at the history of the polygraph test, which is the lie detector test, and how it was invented. And they would strap you into a chair and put it around your chest and put things on your fingers and take your blood pressure rate. And for a very long time, the results of the polygraph test were accepted as fact. Like people, many, 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 many people were convicted on the results of this test, not taking into account that, you know, um, have you ever heard of white coat syndrome? Like, when you go to the doctor's office, your blood pressure is higher because you're nervous yeah. about being at the doctor's yeah. office. Like, yeah. so these tests didn't take into account that, you know, you're nervous because you're being interviewed about something or maybe something terrible has happened and, and you, you know, you're worried that you're going to falsely be accused of something. And so your blood pressure is going like crazy and you're sweating. And, you know, it wasn't until not that long ago that they stopped accepting the results of these tests in court. Like, not that long ago. It has now gotten the way of hair evidence. I don't know if you know, but like... Hair evidence used to be accepted as factor. They'd be like, this hair looks like your hair. You must have done it. And now we know, like, you can get correct evidence from hair, but it's a lot more complicated than just looking at it and being like, you know, oh, yeah, this looks like yours. You did it. So uh, it's it's fascinating. My goodness. I remember that was, like, on all the television shows was with hair. Like, they would do, like, zooming in and, like, twisting the hair, and it would all match up perfectly, and they're like, this is the guy. 
Yeah. You know? When, in fact, like, you actually need, like, the the root of a piece of hair to get, you know, the DNA from it, I believe. And they used to confuse, like, animal hair with human hair. And... <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's not surprising to say that humans are flawed and they make lots of mistakes. And so... I guess it's good for people that these things are not accepted as fact anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fascinating. I, I find it so interesting to see the science change mm-hmm. like over the course of time. And as someone who's watched a lot of like police procedural type shows, like mm-hmm. that's been really interesting to see change in that kind of storytelling as well. Yeah. Oh, how cool. Well, Liberty, thank you so much for filling in for Katie while she's on vacation. Um, I always love chatting with you. So thanks for coming on the show and giving such great recommendations. I think this is the first time we've done a podcast together and not talked about World of Warcraft. I think think it might be. I think it might be. I mean, I've been in the new Dragon expansion for a while, but we can catch up later on that for sure. We love a how to train your dragon moment. All right. Well, friends, that is our show. Thanks so much to everyone for listening. Again, thanks to Liberty for filling in for Katie. And of course, thanks to our wonderful sound editor slash wizard, Jen Zink. Yay! Yes, she always makes us sound wonderful. And bless her for working through all of Dylan's little toenail taps. They're so cute, though! (laughs) (laughs) I've been enjoying them. (laughs) He's always very busy in the background. (laughs) For the show notes for the episode, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen. And for more book recommendations and bookish goodness, you can head over to bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out all of Book Riot's other podcasts, including Liberty's All the Books podcast at bookriot.com slash listen. Or you can just search Book Riot in your podcast player of choice. If you want to send us an email with show ideas or feedback, you can reach us at Red or Dead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find me, Kendra, on Twitter and Instagram at KD Winchester. You can find Liberty on Instagram at Franzen Comes Alive. And we'll talk to you all next time. Bye! <laughs> <laughs>